1: Hi everyone, I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie, And, and we're Identical Twins.
0: And this is Him Talk, Twin Talk. Twin Twin. Talk. All right, everybody, welcome to season four, episode two. Oh my gosh, this is episode 42. Oh my
1: goodness, 42. That's huge. And the the days and the weeks and the months are just flying by. It's like the middle of October. And one of the things, Carrie, that happens to us in the fall and probably so many families is that it just gets super busy. Busy. Oh my goodness. So it just makes sense, Kara, that we're doing our hymns every other week. Right. So two weeks ago, you guys heard our opening of season four. Yes. And now
0: you had to wait two weeks for a hymn. How I did know. that feel?
1: Did it seem long? <laughs> did that feel like a long time to wait? <laughs> because but just the way our life is right now, it kind of makes sense to go every yeah. other week. Um, but who knows, in the future, maybe we'll go back to every week. Yep. Yeah. Well, and we just hope
0: that you guys are tuning in and listening and sharing it. I mean, yes. if you could be so kind to rate, review, mm-hmm. share the podcast, mm-hmm. we really want to just get the word out that we're doing this. Yeah.
1: And we're really trying new things. I mean, we're on YouTube now. I know. A few weeks ago, we were at the Gordon College Homecoming. Right. That was super cool. How fun was that?
0: And then we had our first live, the we live. Yeah. yeah, Yeah.
1: So let's just jump into this hymn. Okay. I mean, Carrie, really, people might think we're going every other week because we're running out of hymns. (laughs) That is not the case at all.
0: not the case at all. We could
1: do a hymn a day with all the hymns that are out there.
0: Right. Well, we already have our friend Ashley who tried to do (laughs) a hymn a day. She did that for over a year. Right. All right. So we have enjoyed learning about this hymn and yes. we are so happy that we get to share this hymn with all of you and our special friend Kristen. She's the one who requested it. Right.
1: And I actually think she requested it a couple of seasons ago and it's just taken us this long to get to it. <laughs>
0: Finally, it's happening. The hymn is today. Yes. All right. Let's tell them what it is. It is called Make, Make Me, Me a, a Blessing. blessing.
1: Ooh. Uh, we hope you guys are clapping. <laughs> well, I'm sure Kristen is.
0: So, I mean, this might not be, like, wildly popular. I see that it's only been published in about 85 hymnals. I know. In a way, I
1: think 85 is a lot, because we have hymns that were published in, like, three or four. Mm-hmm. So 85 is okay. But, I mean, on the other hand, we have hymns that were published in thousands of hymnals. Thousands. Thousands. Yeah. So I think one of the things that makes this song so great yeah. is that the music is really fun. Okay. But when you're listening to it, the music also sounds kind of dated, right. you know? So it's, it's hard. They, the music is definitely fun and interesting. And we read that the writers were like college roommates. I almost picture them being <laughs> like, do you think anyone's going to like this fun, rousing song, you know? But nowadays it's just sounds a little old fashioned. It sounds a yeah. little dated.
0: It does. It does. And some tunes sort of have that timeless quality mm-hmm. and some tunes don't. But I also think you can have like modern renditions, modern interpretations of it. I mean, I think we're really sticking to the structure, the original structure mm-hmm. of this hymn mm-hmm. this week and I think that there's some beauty in that too. Yeah, I can't
1: wait to show it to you. And I want we want to know, is it familiar to you? Mm-hmm. Do you know it? Mm-hmm. Can you sing along?
0: All right, so let's show them how it sounds, Kelly. Okay. First one, refrain, make me a blessing. Mm-hmm. I'll show them a little bit of the alto part. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay, cool little go. alto part. Out in
0: the highways and byways of life, many are
1: weary and and sad. Carry the sunshine where darkness is rife, making the sorrowing glad. Make me a blessing, Make me a blessing out of my life. May Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray blessing to someone today. There's a lot to this musically. I mean, I hope our listeners could hear that it doesn't sound like your typical hymn. It definitely has this like gospel song kind of flavor to it. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's in 6-4. Right. That You don't see that that often. And here's our musical nerd right. moment. Always fun. Eminem's. <laughs> Yeah. So you might not know what 6-4 really means, but it is an underused time signature. Right.
0: I mean, even if you know a ton about
1: music, you would still say 6-4 isn't that common. Right. And 6-4 sounds a whole lot like 6-8. Right. So the choice to put it in 6-4 is even that more strange, I think, because it has this like lilting feel. Now. We said that this hymn was in 85 hymnals. I have an old, old hymnal in front of me. Actually, my friend Kristen found these for me. Okay, what's the year on it? So this is from 1945. Right. And the publishers of this hymnal mm-hmm. actually put in some suggestions for how the song is sung. Really? And I feel like when you hear their suggestions, the time signature of 6-4 makes a little bit more sense.
0: All right, let me see these suggestions. Okay. I never saw this. I know.
1: So first it says that you were to start the song slowly. slowly. Look at that. So we sang it at a pretty fast clip. But you wouldn't sing this hymn slowly in In 6-8. I mean,
0: those are all your eighth notes. Right.
1: They're going to move. Right. So it's in 6-4 because it was instructed to sing it slowly. Okay, so it starts off slowly. Does it tell you to go faster? Not only does it say go slowly, but then it actually is written in that there's a retardando. Where? On the last line of the verse. Another musical okay. nerd moment.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Do you
1: all know what retardando means?
0: m always follow. <laughs> but we did that. We kind we of did, did slow it. down.
1: But imagine starting slower and then. then continuing to slow down. Right. Then, when it goes to the chorus, it's written men sing. Wow. Men. Only men. And it says or unison.
0: Okay, so they don't want harmony. We did harmony. We did the
1: alto part. We did. Mm -hmm. The next line is women. And then there's another Riturando on May Jesus Shine. And then, again, it has a woman section. And then it actually says tenors on the really cool section, which we're going to show you in a minute. Right. And then, Carrie, I'm not sure I've ever really seen this in a hymnal, but it says parts. Oh, they want
0: you to sing harmony. yes.
1: So all of that unison stuff is over. The last line of the song, make me a blessing to someone today, they want in four-part harmony. And then, make me a blessing to someone, the instruction on the top says ad-lib. Ad-lib.
0: This is like tent meeting, revival meeting. And it's really up to this music director and this music leader to just do this and lead this and facilitate it. Right. I mean, how are how is everybody following that? But the thing is that the music director
1: doesn't have to facilitate it because everyone can just read it. Oh, it's the women's part. Oh, it's the men's part. Right. Oh, we're singing in unison. They would just do it, right? Well, I mean, the slow down stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think it's amazing that it's this complicated for this hymn. But
0: the thing is is that there's no way of knowing that that's how our co- composer, our hymn writer, George Schuler would have wanted it. I mean, that's the hymnal editor who's doing that.
1: Right. But in my little research on this, <laughs> yes. I saw multiple old hymnals that had the same instructions. Oh. Not just this one. So then you kind of do think that there was this, like, tradition with this song. Right that when it was sung at the tent meetings, when it was sung at the revivals, they would, you know, do this fun stuff with it. Right. And one of the reasons why I think that George Shuler may have been part of these instructions Mm -hmm. is because he wrote a really fun tune. He wrote a really fun tune with some cool harmonies. And what did he write, you guys? He wrote a cool tenor part. And everyone who knows Him Talk Twin Talk (laughs) knows that we love a good tenor part.
0: I mean, absolutely, I'm not a tenor by any stretch, but if there's a tenor note, I want to sing it. Right. All right, so you want to look at this
1: tenor part? So we thought we would show you the tenor part. It's literally written in on three different times in the hymn Mm -hmm. that the tenor does something interesting. And one has an alto part that's fun, but the other two are strictly tenor alone. So do you want to hear it?
2: Yeah, let's show them. Okay.
1: All right, just listen to the first line. This is when the tenor does something really fun on weary and sad. Listen. Out, Out in the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad and sad. Weary and sad. <laughs> you need a tenor to do that. Well, that's you, Carrie. But it's not me. Like it needs to be a really good tenor. Alright, so now make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of of my my life, life. may Jesus shine. Did you hear that?
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the tenors really have to be on the ball. There's no snoozing. I know. And like there's almost no time to breathe. I know. All right. Let's do the next one. So the next one is for I Pray. Right. All right. Make me
1: a blessing, O Savior. I pray thee, my Savior. Make me a blessing, ad-lib, 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 to To someone, someone to someone today. today. That was me ad-libbing.
0: That was Carrie (laughs) ad-libbing. This song, it's like written for music people. I
1: think so. Do you know what
0: I mean? I think so. And I think when we dig into these guys who wrote it, I think what we're going to find is that they were... Really into music, Mm -hmm. they composed pieces of all sizes for all kinds of singing groups. It wasn't just hymn writers, and what we're also we're gonna find something that I think this is a hymn talk, twin talk. First, Uh oh, (laughs) the text writer isn't really a text writer. He right. is a composer. He wrote music for hundreds of hymns, and he just dabbled with a few words. He mm. he did not write. He wasn't like a poet. Right. You know, when we have a hymn writer, and he's a poet, right. or she's a poet... This wasn't like that. These guys were into music. Right. And I think when you love music like that, when Mm -hmm. you know music, you love music, I think you write differently. And these guys tried to be interesting, tried to be different, and tried to be challenging.
1: I mean, I actually would push it a little further. They were friends. They were college roommates. They were these guys hanging out. Yeah. I think that they were trying to be funny. (laughs) Do you think? I think they were having a good time. I think it was funny, clever. Yeah,
0: however you want to describe it. I think they were trying to be challenging and I think they were having fun with it. Yeah. So I want to talk about the music guy. Okay. So the music guy, it's funny because
1: they're both music they're guys. They're
0: both music guys. And I feel like maybe they even had input on each one. True. You know, but the music guy, the person who we have, you know, as the composer, the music is attributed to him is George Shuler. George Stark Shuler. Is he related to Tony Stark? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, anyone out there not know who Tony Stark is? <laughs> I don't know. I wonder.
1: <laughs> All right. So let's give us a little bit of information on George Stark Schuler. George <laughs> Stark Schuler. That's a little bit of a, a little twunk, tongue, tongue twister. twister. Yeah. So little baby George <laughs> was born on April 18th, 1882 in New York City. And he died on October 30th in 1973.
0: Wow, he lived a long time.
1: He lived a long time, and he saw the turn of the century. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when I think of the things that he must have lived through, Mm -hmm. from 1880 to 1970... Yeah, he saw a lot. Yeah, and I mean, we were born around then. So, you know, we lived at the same time as this guy for, for a little a, bit—a very short <laughs> amount of time.
0: All right, so um, we do not have a grave for him. We do not have a cemetery. Nope. He actually requested that his ashes be scattered in the Gulf of Mexico off the coast of Sarasota in Florida.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so no way to visit him, but his legacy has lived on in his for music. Sure. For sure. He went to lots of different schools. Mm-hmm. He was very musical and his parents fostered that musical ability. Mm-hmm. He went to Chicago Musical College. Nice. Doesn't exist anymore. He went to the Cosmopolitan School of Music doesn't exist anymore and he finally ended up at the moody bible institute in chicago illinois where he went on to serve on the faculty for over 40 years
0: that's amazing
1: so not only did he have this great career as a hymn writer and a musician which he did so much Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about it but he actually helped educate the next generation of musicians of Mm -hmm. church musicians so, I found a quote about him.
0: <coughs> Attention, please.
1: So, one of his students wrote that George Shuler was a tall, handsome man with a flowing mane of white hair. He was dignified, a wonderful organist, highly sophisticated, fully familiar with the classics as well as with gospel music. He was the personification of what I thought a songwriter should be. Wow. Mm-hmm. George, George. He taught piano. Mm -hmm. He taught organ Mm -hmm. at Moody. And he was a gifted teacher. They would say that he would make you feel so comfortable sitting at the piano if you were nervous Mm. or afraid. He would make you feel great about being there. And he had a way of sort of imitating you and the style of your yeah. piano playing. So he would kind of do what you did at the piano to kind of make you feel like you were doing it right or you were doing it well. Aww. I thought that was so neat. Right. And one of the things that he did was like sit and doodle at the piano. That's what he called it, doodling. And I mean, you probably do that all the time too, right? Yeah, so I mean, is that what we would just say improvisation or ad-lib? I mean, maybe Maybe that's that's... why they put the ad-lib in the hymn. So he would just kind of play. And one day, as he was improvising on the piano, he began to think of God's nearness. Mm -hmm. And it really began to impress itself upon him in a real new and deep way. And in his mind's eye, it says that he began to relive some of the experiences of the past where he could really see the guiding hand of God through everything. He was still like doodling at the piano. This is what he said. And soon a distinct melody began to take form in his piano. Mm -hmm. And the words came into his mind. I'm overshadowed by his mighty love, love eternal, changeless, pure, I'm overshadowed by his mighty love. And this ended up being his most popular composition, Wow! Overshadowed. So he completed the melody, but he could not figure out the rest of the words. Right. So at the time, he contacted a well-known Bible teacher named Harry Ironside, and he said, could you provide the rest of these lyrics for this melody? Mm-hmm. And Ironside said, I'm not a poet. I'm not really good at words, but he agreed to try. And eventually, it took a long time, he like kind of forgot about it for a while, but eventually George Schuler pinned him down and said, come on, I want these words. He apologized, he quickly sat down, and he produced the song Overshadowed for him.
0: It's funny because it's oh, the song is called Overshadowed, and it's really like such a beautiful thing. I think... That
1: being overshadowed, it has almost like a negative connotation. Right. But this is a word, I looked this up, that has changed its meaning over time. Today, the word carries the sense of something being more important or more significant. But the word originally meant to cover you, to shelter you. Sometimes suggesting the idea of protecting or providing for you in a special way. So obviously that's what God's love does for us. And that's what Shuler was thinking. All right, let's sing that last line. Okay. I'm overshadowed by his mighty love. Love that brightens all
0: my way. I mean, it's pretty. The whole thing is super pretty. Kelly, I think we should totally do it. Yes. Where I play it yes. and I do the diddling.
1: What yes. did he say that he did? Doodling? It's not diddling, Carrie. It's doodling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he did, what did he do? Doodling. Well, he doodled the piano. I say, I doodle and you sing and we
1: share this song with people. Okay. I think it's okay. really cool. Let's do that. Okay. The other really cool thing that he did, and I thought Carrie, you would get such a kick out of this. Uh, well, now, I already know it. Does it everyone is. know, does everyone know it's that fun. Carrie really plays the piano at the church? Well I really do. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> does everyone know that Carrie plays the piano at the church? And I'm more of the worship leader. We yes. work really closely together, mm-hmm. but she's most often sitting behind the piano. Well, George Shuler wrote a book mm-hmm. called evangelistic piano playing it's a practical guide to those who desire to become more proficient in the playing of religious songs in which the piano accompaniment is lacking so he is realizing the songs as we see them in hymnals are written with the purpose of being sung right it has most of the time soprano alto tenor bass notes it's not really a piano part it's a vocal part Think back to when you first opened the hymnal and you first tried to play a hymn, you read the words that were written on the page. The, I read the notes exactly. Exactly. And, right. and you were a good pianist because right. you read what was written. And it was only as you got comfortable with the style mm-hmm. and what the church needed at the time, you were able to add a little bit more flair and who knew it was called Evangelistic Piano Playing? I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I, not only do I want to read the book, I want to write a new edition. <laughs> I think that's great. What we're really seeing, I, I I feel like I already said this, but we're really seeing like musicians. Yes. This, this is an accomplished piano player. He probably learned classical music, and mm-hmm. he's, he's transferring those skills into church playing, and he wants to make sure that it's, the right kind of playing for church. Mm -hmm. I mean, just because you're a classical pianist doesn't mean you'll be a great church accompanist. Right. So you've got to transfer those skills and then develop some new ones.
1: And I think that's what he was doing. Yes. And I mean, this was really important to him. At the end of the book, he has examples of his own work. So it becomes like a library. You can go and play it. It becomes your hymnal. It has famous hymns, well-known hymns that were sung, but it has a cool accompaniment part written for the pianist. How cool is that? So we know that he worked with Ira Wilson,
0: mm-hmm. Ira Bishop Wilson. Now we read that they were roommates at Moody. Right. So, you know, Kelly, yeah, we were roommates for a while. We
1: were, well, we were roommates kind of our whole life. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Did you forget about all those years together, Carrie?
0: We're at the age that we've actually been not roommates more than roommates. Oh, my gosh. We've had more years apart.
1: Are you counting the time that we were (laughs) womb-mates?
0: What? (laughs) All right, so Kelly and I often joke that not only were we roommates, but we were womb-mates. So,
1: Kelly, I have a little pop quiz for you. (laughs) Is it about people who were in wombs together? (laughs) Oh, that's our new pop quiz sound, you guys! (laughs) All right, we wanted to sound more like we were on a game Game show. show. All right, so Cal, (laughs) today on this week's
0: episode of Him Talk Twin Talk, we have a brand new quiz show for you. Okay, (laughs) this is called
1: Roommates or Roommates? Are you kidding? (laughs) You guys, I just said wombates, and I did not know that that, this was the name of her quiz. It's called Wombates or Roommates. So I'm going to describe two people, and you're going to tell me if they were roommates or wombates. So I have to decide if they were roommates or, or twins. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. All right. So these people. We have two astronauts, Scott and Mark. Now, Scott is an astronaut who spent a year in space. In total, he has spent over 500 days in space. Wow. And in the same class at NASA was another astronaut named Mark, who made four trips into space. Do you think they were roommates or womb-mates? I think they're roommates.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're twins?
0: <laughs> they're totally identical twins. I feel like I know all the famous identical no, twins. and they actually... the. Part of the experiment was for him to go to space for a year, and then they were going to see how his body did in this anti-gravity for a year and compare the physical and physiological changes to his identical twin brother. That's so interesting. Roommates. Roommates. And womb They probably did live together. Okay. Okay, here's another one. Now, um, you know Linda Hamilton from the movie Terminator? Yes. Okay, so she needed a woman to play her body double, and it was a woman named Leslie who looked just like her, and she was a nurse. Roommates or womb They're womb <laughs> Yay! Yeah, did I you know. know she was a twin? Yeah, no, I that's know. great. That's good. Okay, so here's another one. You know the film Napoleon Dynamite? Yes. Okay, so... John Heater was the starring role. He played Napoleon, right? And he has this friend, Dan, who works like in big budget films like Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers Endgame. Roommates or wombates? roommates?
1: Roommates. Yes. Oh man, they're twins kill. Wow. John
0: and Dan Heater, both working in the entertainment industry. Wow, but one's an actor. Wow. Okay. Two authors. One writes thriller novels. And one writes more, crime mystery, New York Times best-selling authors, roommates or womb-mates? I'm going to say
1: womb-mates. Nope, wow. they were roommates, Kelly. I, mean, I literally have a 50-50 <laughs> chance here,
0: and I'm failing. Dan Brown, you know, the author of, like, the Da Vinci Code stuff? Yes, of course. And the author Harlan Coben? Yes. They're roommates. Yeah, they were roommates together at Amherst College. And their author careers just completely took off. That's New York amazing. Times best-selling authors. All right, I have one more. Okay. I know you know the movie La La Land. Yes, I love it. Okay, so the director was Damien, and
1: the guy who wrote the music to it, the guy who composed yes. the music. So the director and the writer of the music? Roommates. Yay. They were college roommates. And with that awesome music that
0: Justin Hurwitz wrote, I mean, that director, at just 32 years old, took home two Academy Awards. Amazing. I mean, these guys were at Harvard together, these two music nerds. Director of La La Land and... The composer of the music. Yeah. All right. So I think that's it. I love that. That was fun. So anyway, we read that they were roommates together. Yes. And um, that they wrote the hymn together, like in the same room. We 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 joke <laughs> when this happens. You have two people working at the same time in the same room. And Kelly, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've we've had that happen since Love Lifted Me. James Rowe and Howard E. Smith were in the same room. And now we have Wilson and Schuler in the same room at Moody Bible Institute talking about music, Mm -hmm. sharing these words. And, and, you know, poof, we have this song. Now, initially, the hymn got rejected. Did you hear this? Yes.
1: So these poor guys, they work on the hymn. They're super proud of it. I'm sure they are. But they also knew that it was probably unlike other hymns being written at the time. It was going to be a hard sell. Yeah. So...
0: They decide to send it off to some music publishers, Mm -hmm. and it was rejected. Of course. I mean, I don't know how many music publishers, (laughs) but it was rejected. Now, Shuler was was determined. So he actually had 1,000 copies printed with his own money. He didn't even have a ton of money. And one copy fell into the hands of this singer named George Dibble. Now, George Dibble was going to be the music director for the International Sunday School Convention in Cleveland, Ohio. Wow! And Dibble liked the song. I'm sure Dibble, a hundred bucks, I'll bet you right now he was a tenor.
1: <laughs> I and I think that Dibble might have been a doodler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what does that even mean? I don't know. So George Dibble doodled
0: as a tenor. <laughs> All right. So as you can guess, George Dibble sings it at the International Sunday School Convention. Mm-hmm. And after that, it was all the rage. Everybody wanted to sing it, and publishers were like waiting to get their hands on it so they could distribute it. It completely propelled that song into household fame. Wow. Is that a thing? Household fame? For a hymn?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was obviously household fame for our friend Kristen. She sang it as a kid. Yeah.
0: Now, there's this funny story. So Ira Wilson... And, and, of course, George Shuler are roommates. They're doing their thing. They're both musicians. They're both composers. Ira Wilson, it wasn't what he normally did to write words. Right. In fact, he completely forgot about writing it.
1: I know. And I read this too, Carrie. Oh, that, yeah. I think, goes to my theory. Yeah. That this was like kind of a jokey song. They he, were being he, like, funny. He completely forgot about it. He completely forgot about it. Yeah.
0: Alright, so there's this book called The Lord's Radio, Gospel Music Broadcasting <laughs> and the Making of Evangelistic Culture 1920-1960 to 1960, by Mark Ward Sr. And in it, George Shuler talks about the song. And this is an exact quote. So Ooh, lo- oh, another quote! I love when we have quotes. This is what George Schuler says about his own song.
2: <clears throat> Attention, please. Make Me
0: a Blessing was written in my student days. The poem by a fellow student, Ira B. Wilson. Oddly enough, Neither of us can recall how we came to write the song. To this day, Wilson claims to have had no part in authoring (laughs) the work, but I know he wrote it. (laughs) I mean, is that what happens when you get old,
2: Gary? I don't know.
0: (laughs) He forgot he wrote it. Now in 1930, he moves to Los Angeles and around 1944, a friend named Philip Care came to visit. Now, both of these men were musicians. Now, Philip sits down at the piano, and he finishes with Make Me a Blessing. Wilson listens politely, but it was evident that he, like, he did not know the song. Mm. So his eyes widened in astonishment when Care said, You wrote that? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of yours. The song was being widely used in churches all over the country, but the author had long forgotten it. Now, we think maybe it was just because his main occupation was writing music, and he just forgot that he wrote these
1: lyrics. But George Shuler himself is like, I know he wrote it. Right. (laughs) You and I have situations like that from our childhood where I remember something Mm -hmm. that happened, and you don't.
0: All right, so let's talk about this Ira. Ira Bishop Wilson. Yes. (laughs) Ira Bishop Wilson was born on September sixth, 1880 in Bedford, Iowa. So Ira is born into this musical family. His sister teaches him the violin and teaches him the piano. And I mean, I have to just wonder about this name Ira. So I looked it up. Here's a fun fact. Okay. (laughs) Ira was in the top 100 names in 1880. And now the social security, (laughs) our social security office, just started like rating the names and keeping track in 1880. So we don't know anything before 1880. But in 1880... Ira was number 72 out of the top 100 names. It was right behind Floyd and right before Ray. Wow. So there's Ira. And Ira is a biblical name, but not very well known. There's an Ira in the Bible? Yes. It says that... One of King David's 30 mighty warriors was named Ira. And it's one of the shortest non biblical
1: sounding Old Testament <laughs> names that we have Ira. <laughs> What's another short non biblical sounding name? I
2: mean,
0: can you think of another one? Dan. <laughs> um, but the Hebrew origin, I mean, it means watchful one. Oh. So these people, what they wanted to name their sons. Ira, Mm -hmm. watchful one, one of King David's mighty warriors. I thought that was a fun fact. (laughs) Now, he moved to Dayton, Ohio... And that's where he spent most of his life. I mean, he was a prolific composer. Yes, he wrote hymns, but he wrote all sorts of like big choral works. Oh. I think when you're writing these big choral works, it's different than just a four-part harmony hymn. Right. He is a composer. He's writing cantatas. His best-known religious works, a cantata called Music of Christmas, okay, The First Easter, oh. and The Living Lord. Now, he also wrote secular music. He wrote a cantata called The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Oh. And he wrote a musical comedy in 1914 called The Suffragettes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Good for him. I mean, he, this I think is another fun fact. He wrote a cantata for Mother's Day called The Mothers of Men. Now, this Mother's (laughs) Day cantata was a sheet music anthology of songs. And I think it's interesting. It was published in 1925. I mean... Mother's Day just became a holiday, you know, a full holiday in 1914. So, I mean, I sort of feel like he created this as a response Mm. to this new holiday. Right. But I think this is interesting, Cal. He worked for the Lorenz Publishing Corporation. Now,
1: I know that publishing Mm -hmm. company. It is still around today. Mm
0: -hmm. It started in 1890 by a man named Edmund Simon Lorenz in Dayton. So, He's in Dayton. He's working right with Lorenz. Right. Now, this Edmund, he was a composer himself. He compiled his first hymnal for the United Brethren Publishing House in Dayton. He wrote over 200 hymns, and then he established his publishing company. And he wanted to produce music for the small, untrained church choir. And that's how it started. Hmm. Now, his first subscription magazine that he ever created was something called The Organist. And I
1: totally had those magazines. I know. I feel like I've seen them in first, for sure. In my
0: first church I worked at, yeah. they were long rectangles. Yeah. You got them every month or, or maybe twice a month, and it would have so much organ music. That's what he was doing. It's just interesting to me, Cal, because we have publishing companies that we see in these hymns from 50, 70, 100 you know, years ago, mm-hmm. and we don't really have them around anymore. No. The fact that this man started his publishing company, mm-hmm. and not only is it still around, but it has it is thriving and it has expanded. I mean, it is no longer just church music. Right. It's community and school choral music. Mm-hmm. It's elementary music. I buy my stuff from Lorenz. I know. I
1: do, too.
0: And they are always looking for new works, Kelly. Mm. We could submit our own works. They have a way to do that.
1: Uh, <laughs> I say we do it, and then in 30 years you forget that you did it. <laughs>
0: I totally want to do this because right. I've been wanting to arrange some choral music for a while. I
1: know. If you're arranging it, you might as well just submit right. it.
0: So the way they do it at Lorenz is you submit your arrangement. They will review it. They will keep it for 60 days. If you don't
1: hear from them in 60 days, then you're done. It's a no. It's it's <laughs> a rejection. It's but a no. They rejected George and Ira, too.
0: So I just pulled this from their website, okay. and I want to just share it. This okay. is what they say. We proudly serve as the publishing home for today's leading choral composers, elementary music educators, and church musicians of all disciplines. Our headquarters are located in downtown Dayton, Ohio, and our team members, music educators, worship musicians, performers, and admirers embody the innovative spirit of this famous city. We're musicians serving musicians, and we are thankful to play a role in shaping your musical life.
1: I mean, knowing what we know about George and Ira, Mm -hmm. I feel like this is the exact publishing house for them. I know. Musicians, for musicians.
0: And I love this company. I totally looked at their website for some career
1: opportunities. Oh, okay. (laughs) In Dayton. In Dayton. They don't have anything at the moment. Okay. They probably would give you the option to work remotely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe they would
1: just have a podcaster. Oh my goodness. who talks about their music? Yes.
0: Lorenz,
1: let's can we tag them? Can we tag we're them totally, this? Totally yeah. They them. should know that we're talking about them. I
0: just love it. I love it. All right. so I mean let's talk about these words, Kelly. Yes. I mean Ira
1: Wilson doesn't remember writing them, but they are beautiful <laughs> and they are his. So I love the first verse. Okay, saying it already. I love the third verse. Mm-hmm. But Carrie that second verse has a little bit of controversy. Uh Oh, there it is. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'll read you the words, Carrie. And you tell me what you think might be the problem with it.
0: Okay, so I'll play the piano. Yes. And are you going to read verses 2
1: and 3? Yes. Okay. Tell the sweet story of Christ and his love. Tell of his power to forgive. Others will trust him if only you prove true every moment you live. Verse 3. Give as twas given to you in your need love as the master loved you be to the helpless a helper indeed unto your mission be true
0: Okay so yeah that second verse I yes. mean how are we supposed to live if true so in such a true way We have to prove it. Right. And that's
1: the only way others will trust him. Right. It's a little aggressive, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's also impossible. Right. You know, so it's asking us to do something that's literally impossible. Right. I love the beginning. Tell the sweet story of Christ and his love. Tell of his power to forgive. So obviously when you sin, when you fail at something, God will forgive you. Right. But then it almost contradicts it. Yeah, yeah. But then others will trust him if only you prove true every moment you live. And I actually think that although it rhymes nicely, sometimes we have hymns that don't rhyme so nicely, mm-hmm. although it rhymes nicely, I almost can tell that the words and the lyrics aren't Ira Wilson's strong suit. Because there are probably countless other ways to say that better. Right. Without sounding, I don't think this is what they meant. No. It just this is, sounds that way. Right. Yeah. So honestly, if I were going to do the hymn, I would probably just do verses one and three. Uh, yeah, me too. Now, we have to see where this song came from, from the Bible. We don't know anything about their personal life that would show that they got inspiration from their life. No,
0: I, I don't see anything, except they were roommates and they were having a great time I think, together. I think they were having fun.
1: And, <laughs> and wanted, I to, wanted to have some fun music. I also think they were both tenors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I immediately think of the f- promise that God makes to Abraham because it, it uses the words blessing and bless. And that's exactly what this hymn is saying. Okay. So this is Genesis 12, 1 and 2. Okay. It's the great promise of God to Abram.
2: What <laughs> does the Bible say?
1: Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now, I think everyone would know the promise that God gave to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Any Christian, anyone mm-hmm. who sat through Sunday school would know mm-hmm. that God promised to make him a great nation, right. that God promised him many descendants, that God promised to bless him. But do we remember the second part of that verse, that promise? I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Right. The whole point of blessing Abraham was that so that he could in turn bless others. That comes all the way from Genesis, the 12th chapter of the Bible. Right. Right. What God was asking of Abraham was huge. Mm-hmm. Leave your country, yeah. leave your people, leave your father's house and go to this unspecified place. And God would show him how to get there. And if he does that, he has all of these promises that come through. God vows to make Abraham, through his descendants, a great nation. God will bless Abraham. God will make his name great. And God will make Abraham a blessing. And then if we jump to the New Testament, Carrie, I mean, the promise of Abraham is fulfilled in Uh Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a descendant of Abraham, and he promises salvation. He promises life and love. And I think right when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, when he's telling them what to do, this is Matthew chapter 10, he tells them, He wants them to go out in his name. He wants them to tell people about him. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. And then he says, you received without paying, give without pay. That to me is go be a blessing to people. Mm -hmm. Go and bless people and expect nothing in return. So this, this pattern of being blessed by God being blessed by Jesus, and then giving to the people around you, that's something that's repeated. Old Testament, New Testament, yeah. and, you know, is how we should be living right now. Right. This old, old hymn that is, you know, kind of is weird, kind of has some funky right. rhythms it's little, and harmonies. A
0: little dated. A little yeah. dated.
1: It's still very true to how, we're, how Christians should be living right now.
0: I mean, Galatians 3.29, mm-hmm. and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants. Right heirs according to his promise. Right. We are the heirs. Right. We are the descendants of Abraham. This is about us.
1: Mm-hmm. And finally, that third verse, I really just love the words of this one too. Yeah. Give as twas given to you in your need, love as the master loved you. Be to the helpless a helper indeed, unto your mission be true. It's just reminding us, Carrie, yeah. to give, to love, and... I just, I just think of Jesus' words in the Gospel of John. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So this is our prayer. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing to the people around me. Make me a blessing. May Jesus' light shine through us. And that is really our prayer for our podcast, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we want you to be entertained. We want you to have a good time. We want you to worship. Mm -hmm. We want you to learn about God, learn about his love. But we also want to be a blessing to you. We want our podcast to be a blessing.
0: And so I reached out to the singer. Yes. And i that's exactly what I said. Your music would be such a blessing yeah. to our listeners. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to um, a man named Joe Renshaw. And we're on Twitter together. And I always see his posts. He's always sharing music. He's a tenor. Why? <laughs> He's a worship leader at a church. He has a CD coming out. Okay. Yeah. We, we're going to share all his information with you guys. Um, his name is Joe Renshaw, and he's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in Coldwater, Michigan. Okay. And, you know, he's always posting his music, and I just kind of wrote him and said, would you like to appear on the podcast? Would you be able to come up with a recording of Make Me a Blessing? Oh, wow. I really wanted a man. I really wanted a tenor. I wanted it to be like... As close to what we think Ira and George and and Edmund Lorenz (laughs) and Philip Kerr Mm -hmm. and all of these people. Like, I wanted it to be this tenor voice. Right. So he agreed to do it. I'm so happy we get to share it with you all. And, um, yeah, and look him up because he's all over social Mm -hmm. media and YouTube. Mm -hmm. So here we go. Joe
1: Renshaw. Make make me a a blessing.
2: blessing. Out in the highways and byways of life. Many are weary and sad. Carry the sunshine where darkness is rife, making the sorrowing glad. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing out my life may Jesus shine make me a blessing oh Savior I pray make me a blessing to someone today Tell the sweet story of Christ and his love. Tell of his power to forgive. Others will trust him if only you prove true every moment you live. Make me a blessing. To you in your need love as the master loved you be to the helpless a helper indeed unto your mission be true make me a blessing Jesus, shine, make me a blessing, oh Saviour. was just wonderful
1: I know.
2: and I do think it's a
1: blessing to people
0: you know we all have gifts we all have mm-hmm. talents and we are supposed to share them right. Joe Renshaw has a beautiful tenor voice and he's supposed to share it <laughs> all to God's glory yeah thank you for listening this week to make me a
1: blessing right and all we can do is pray that it has been a blessing, a blessing. and now our charge to you all is that you go out and be blessings to others mm-hmm mm-hmm Hashtag be a blessing. Oh, I love that, Kelly. <laughs> we'll totally use we'll that. We'll
0: totally use that. Hashtag be a blessing. All right, so we're pretty much done, mm-hmm. Kelly.
1: Episode two, season four, in the books. Yep, now remember, it's going to be two weeks before you hear from us again.
0: All right, how about a scripture verse to end our podcast, Kel? All right. This is from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others.
1: I hope that's what we're doing. Yeah. I hope that's what our listeners are doing.
0: Have a great couple of weeks, you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye.